Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's July 18th, 1872, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. When I next cast a vote in a British general election, I will head on down to my village hall, pass some dogs posing for Instagram, give my name to a volunteer who will then for some reason pass me a pencil, not a pen, and then I'll go into a private booth to place an X on the ballot paper next to the name of my chosen candidate. And that process is courtesy of the Ballot Act, passed on this day in 1872, which introduced voting in secret. Before that, you had to back your candidate publicly like a coupling on Love Island. <laughs> and the system sounded so wild and actually quite fun. So prior to the Ballot Act of 1872... Interesting how you're imagining yourself as a landowner already <laughs> when you right. say fun. So I would turn up and I yeah. would tell people how I intended for them to vote. But actually that is what happened. So voters would ha- attend these things called hustings where they'd choose their candidate of choice, as you said, either out loud or they could sometimes uh, mark their paper in public while people standing around literally like cheered or jeered depending on what they had voted for and what the person's preference was and this made the whole thing immensely carnivalesque obviously but it also led to a great deal of corruption and people being forced to vote in certain ways particularly those people who rented a home or those who relied on a local employer for work because you know that employer or landowner could pressure you on how they intended for you to vote. Yeah, and the thing was that while the electoral pool was so small, the system kind of worked. You know, for most of the 19th century, relatively few people were able to vote. It was only men who met a various standard of property ownership. And before 1832, it was about 5% of the population. And in 1832, you had what was called the Great Reform Act, but it wasn't hugely great in that sense because it only increased the amount of people eligible to vote to about 7%. So if it was only you and a handful of other people, you're probably likely to be something on a peer system. You know, you'd have the, the Lord of the Manor and smaller landowners, but you'd all sort of be members of roughly the same class. And we do actually have an account as well in the Pitwick Papers by Charles Dickens of what such a proceeding would have been like. There's this band that's drowning out the speakers with its music, the rival factions jostling in the crowd, because although a small amount of people could vote, lots of people would turn up to see the candidates and cheer and jeer. And at the culmination, quote, a scene of struggling and pushing and fighting succeeded, to which we can no more do justice than the mayor could. I mean, part of the reason why it took such a long time to get MPs on board with secrecy was because people couldn't think of a good system for it. It's amazing how people who have been voted in by a corrupt system don't see that it's corrupt, isn't it? 
Right. Who'd have thought? <laughs> well, they voted for me. They couldn't have been but, that drunk. But that scene that you described of going into a ballot box and using your pencil to mark a box and choose the candidate of your choice, that seems so logical and obvious to us. But the philosopher Jeremy Bentham, when he proposed what he called a radical reform bill back in 1818, he came up with this system that worked like this. You had a, a, a box with a viewing window which had smaller boxes inside and each of those boxes had a ballot corresponding to a candidate. So you'd reach into this macro box and people could see that you were doing, that's the sort of public and open bit, but only you could see what you were doing when your hand was inside and you'd pick out the candidate that you chose. Are you describing a glory hole? <laughs> it's pretty much a glory <laughs> hole. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the fact that that seems like a, a sort of bizarre thing, but they just couldn't think of the simplicity of the system that we've ended up with today. Well, and here's the other thing is that we look back and think, oh, but if you couldn't vote secretly, then your employer or your landlord might find out that you're voting against them. But for a lot of opponents of the secret ballot, their response would have been like, so? You know, it <laughs> yeah. wasn't seen as being a problem. To us, the idea that someone might be able to extort you in some way to vote in one particular direction seems like a massive flaw in the system. But to a lot of people then, it didn't. Because if you'd been raised in this mindset where voters were also community leaders, you know, they would have been mm. the leading men of your area. And so they should be open to scrutiny the way we think of MPs as being open to scrutiny. Yes. The whole idea of secret ballots was seen as sneaky and cowardly. And it, it wasn't a time when you talk about the British class system like we do now kind of scornfully or wistfully depending on your position but as something of the of the past or at least that's fading it was the time when the british class system was how britain worked and yeah. so you know the idea that you'd object to having the upper hand on your inferiors would be weird it's like well what's the point of being superior otherwise have you been to the right school why shouldn't you be able to tell people what to do Yes, the writer Anthony Trollope, when he described the difficulties of his liberal campaign, which he ran in 1868, he, he tried to do it without sweeteners. And he wrote, there was something grand in the scorn with which a leading liberal there turned up his nose at me when I told him that there should be no bribery, no treating, not even a pot of beer. Basically, his supporters thought he was an idiot for even attempting to run a campaign in this way. So, you know, it was just baked into the system. Well, also, it was something that the villagers would get from their local MP. Like, I mean, right. I think we should diminish that. You know, a <laughs> night in the pub where they're covering the tab is a laugh, isn't it? <laughs> if you are powerless in every other sense, this is the day where you feel like you've got some power. And why not take the hospitality? They probably feel like, oh, it's a shame to see that ended. Well, this is an area where my country has a bit of a claim to fame because Australia kind of got to secret voting first, at least around this time in our area of the world. And as self-government emerged in the 40s and 50s, elections were often causing riots. I guess, you know, that doesn't speak wonderfully to the Australian character, but nevertheless, that's what was going on. And so as a result, the idea of using secret ballots grew pretty swiftly and it began in what was then the colony of Victoria and people used a blank slip of paper on which they could actually write anyone's name initially and then in 1856 this amendment was made which made the elections look much more like what we've got today where the government printed candidates names on it. And meanwhile while Australia was pioneering the secret ballot in England and Wales, at least, the picture was very different. So as we touched on earlier, not only did you have to publicly state your vote to the returning officer, all of the votes were also recorded in a polling book, and those records could be printed in newspapers or even published in a book. Wow. Yeah, but there is a theory, isn't there, that by so doing, actually, you tend to vote more for the public good. 
because your vote's going to come back at you afterwards. And this is the thing, isn't it, about people being secret Tories. They'll say one thing on the phone to a pollster about, oh, I'm going to vote for the Liberal Democrats or I'm going to vote for the Labour Party because I believe in society, da-di-da-di-da. But when they get into the booth, they're like, I do not want a council estate in my back garden. Conservative, cross-cross. So Mm. that was a factor then as well. By being held personally accountable for your actions, arguably... Politics was becoming more liberal and progressive in this country because you were clearly voting for the good of your fellow man rather than your personal interests. Yeah, and I think that actually did work when the electoral pool was so small. But as it started to include working class people is really when it started to break down because they had this network of obligations that would stop them from voting with their conscience. And this had actually been pointed out by the Chartist movement, who were big in the 1830s and 1840s, also working class, <laughs> big in the 1830s, summarising massive first historical album. movements on this show. They were... <laughs> the Chartists, big in the 1840s. <laughs> well, <laughs> Wait to another day. What can I say? Well, I think it probably is one for another day. Yeah, but they had worthy this... of 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they had this charter of political reform that would have included universal male suffrage, more representative constituency sizes, and salaries for MPs, and the secret ballot. The problem was is that nobody could really vote then, so it was kind of hard to turn it into a hot button issue and by the time enough people were able to vote to actually be interested in the secret ballot the Chartist movement had sort of died down. So the act that was introduced on this day read, the act which establishes the ballot will assist to secure alike the independence of the voter and the tranquility and purity of elections for members to serve in parliament with the aim to check existing evils. I thought that was a really interesting addendum that they were like we understand that there are problems Mm. with voting as it is well i guess it got to the point where it couldn't really be sustained the current position there were a million new working class voters that had come in as a result of disraeli pushing through the reform act 10 years prior to this based on the principle of household suffrage so at that point you can't really cling on to this old system of i mean it was so entrenched the idea of getting everyone drunk that they called it soaking soaking your voters (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, literally just get everyone drunk and then march them down to the polling booth and sometimes pay them, like, up yeah. to £14 pounds in 1835 money to vote for you. Yeah. By the way, don't Google soaking. It means something else now at Mormon <laughs> Universities. <laughs> and it would still work, I'm sure, if you today were able to buy people drinks, it would get them voting for you. It's easy to see how that worked at the time because it would still work today, I'm sure. Well, and when the Ballot Act came into effect, observers did notice that. It was first used in the 1872 Pontefract by-election, and observers declared, quote, they never saw a contested election in which less intoxicating liquor was drunk, which actually turned out to be a good thing because they had to hastily adapt this schoolroom to have a separate entrance and exit for the whole secrecy thing, and they ended up knocking out a window and putting a wobbly wooden ramp down to the floor. So if everyone had had a few <laughs> pints, I think that system would have broken down It would have just been quickly. a pile of people at the bottom of the ramp. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow oh my god it's the government i've been selected by mi5 that's the only (laughs) way a phone call could reach me on the tube but no (laughs) love the show support the show patreon.com slash retrospectors part of the acast creator network even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.